You are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches, a resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. Guys, welcome to Dad in the Trenches. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, my guest today is a repeat guest, Dante from Legacy Dads. If you guys um, haven't already, recommend jumping back and listening to the podcast uh, where Dante joined us previously. Um, and if you don't know already, Dante is uh, has partners in crime with Lance. Uh, they run uh, Legacy Dads. They have podcasts, blog, uh, social media. You guys should check them out. Um, but Dante, thanks so much for joining us again here at Dad the Trenches. Hey, thanks for having me again, Aaron. Appreciate that. Real quickly, remind us a little about you, uh, where you find yourself in life, current work, uh, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, where I'm at in life, uh, you know, again, a high schooler, a, another one that just graduated, by the way, valedictorian of her eighth grade class. And yeah. uh, I was really proud of her. She nailed it. That's awesome. Worked really hard. So she's going to be a high schooler coming up this fall. And then I got a sixth grader that is going on like to a 50 year old age because <laughs> I think she's smarter than the rest of the world. But uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitively in the trenches and uh, vocation wise, I would say that, you know, I'm in financial, um, but I also have a heart to lead men and to elder over our church. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been married uh, how many years? 17 years. And that's okay. in human years. If you want me to calculate dog, it'll take me a few moments to cross the fingers. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Don't tell my wife I said that. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about work. You know, last time we got into to family stuff and background, but, you know, I'm, I'm in, interested to hear one being in the financial sector. You know, there's, there's, I don't know if it's a stigma or perhaps a perception that, you know, it's a greedy, dark place to work. And so you've been in the industry again how long? Oh, uh, 26 years. 26 years. And, and then the, if I remember right, commodities area, is that correct? Yep, exactly. Okay. And, uh, you know, and I would tell you that as much as you could think that or you see that, um, a lot of the companies, uh, individuals, uh, traders that I deal with in, in commodities and in, in financial world, uh, very ethical, hmm. um, believe it or not, uh, a, a lot of Christian men and even some men that, you know, come from different faiths, different background. Um, I will tell you that integrity is huge. And uh, there have been some that uh, I'll tell you that if they don't know the Lord, um, I, I would be really surprised. And some mm. conversations open up. Um, some don't just as a matter of time. I, I remember when I first got into the industry, one of the things that was instilled into me was don't talk politics and don't talk religion, especially <laughs> as we deal with people all around the world. Right. Uh, but a lot of times, regardless, you just can't help uh, the fact that a life event, you know, different uh, happenings throughout you know, the times, these uh, these backgrounds just 
ebb and flow into the conversation. Mm. So it's been uh, it's been real. And yeah, you, do you have bad seeds? Sure. Do do you have them in your neighborhood? Do you have them in your community? Do you have them at your church? Absolutely. And and again, you know, as I say, I'm I'm, I'm married to my wife, you know, and and we have two sinners under this house. So, mm-hmm. you know, the same in the financial world. You can find them. You can tell. You know. And you know, sometimes you have to be doing business with them. Um, sometimes you don't. But above above and beyond everything else, I think when you hold your integrity, you you try to be on be be beyond reproach. You can overcome even some of those situations that would prove difficult to most. Yeah. So, I mean, still like even, even in the industry, I'm curious to hear just, you know, with the fallout of, you know, the financial crash of, you know, in 2007, 2008, you know, what, what was the industry like from your perception? Is, is there a, even a movement that was happening with the Lord during that time of, of turmoil and, you know, tumultuousness? Well, you know, I mean, the thing about it is we we can look at the world and we can get caught up in, you know, worldly translation or we can look at the word and we can sit there and say, let's put on a spiritual lens and sit there and say, you know, where is the U.S. in this? You know, where is the world in this economy? And, and if we sit there and say we believe the Bible, we believe, you know, from Genesis to Revelation – um, then it's pretty hypocritical of us to sit there and say that we don't expect there to be trial, <laughs> we don't expect there, we don't expect there to be tribulation, yeah. and we certainly don't expect there to be judgment. Yeah. And so, you know, lo and behold, that you know we're in the Western world, um, you know, where we, you know, regardless of whether you're in the twenty thousand dollars a year or you're in the, you know, multi-million dollar, you know, income a year, whatever your background is, even in the lowest rung of, of that spectrum, you know, we're still, you know, top 10% in the world as far as wealth. Yeah. And, and so let's, let's put that in perspective. And so, you know, 2008 was a really rough time um, for anybody in the financial world. I mean, when you have uh, people that, you know, are coming in that barely speak language that know more about financial markets than most other people, <laughs> it tells you that the, the U.S. is pretty sophisticated, whether it's a, you know, a foreigner from a foreign land doing cleaning to somebody that has been in the industry for 50 years, um, um, it, it's 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 pretty well known. So mm-hmm. to 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 say what happened back then, you know, hey, look, we're living a life. Um, it's a life that's led of, of the world of selfism, of lack of accountability, mm-hmm. of all of these other different things. And and the reality of it is that we think we can allow the government to regulate and control it. And the reality of it is, if we really understand free market and and capitalism to the way that it's supposed to be, you know, we have to fall under the idea of laissez-faire. Mm-hmm. So, in a true capitalist market, really, what we need to do is let the market figure itself out. Right. And and yeah, there would be financial pain. Um, it would be, you know, back then when when we saw some of the, the Fed chairman comments, we saw, you know, some of the secretaries of, of Treasury and all that making the comments that they made. Yeah. Very 
very accurate. It would have been a lot of pain. But at the end of the day, if if we put the accountability back on the traders and the trade houses and the financial arenas that, hey, you're going to be held accountable for the, the gambling that you make or for the, the risk or the betting on sovereign wealth or things that you're doing that you shouldn't be touching, um, I think if that all hit to the, to the true blue that this would fall back on you or your employees, I, I think full accountability would have had a lot different outcome back then. Yeah. I went and got my MBA during the, actually during the 2008-2009 aspect of the crash. So we could geek out on this stuff for probably an hour, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll spare our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I would like to ask you, you know, just from a financial perspective, I know you're not necessarily in financial planning, but, you know, give our listeners also just a, a word or two on, you know, getting their financial house in order, just a couple of you know, uh, basic things that you would, you would tell a, a dad in the trenches on just financial management of his household. Okay. Uh, rule number one, uh, good, uh, no debt or savings or, or interest rate working for you is always a positive thing. Bad debt or interest going against you is always a bad thing. Hmm. Um, if you're spending, that's rule number one, number rule number two, if you're spending more than you're making, Never a good outcome. Mm-hmm. If you're saving more than you're spending, always a good outcome. Um, some people have models. My wife and I, we kind of like to live by the 10, 10, 80 rule. Mm-hmm. Um, that's you tithe 10%, you save 10%, and you live off 80%. Great. Um, you know, as we become more sophisticated uh, through life and through career and vocation, um, we've changed that. So we, we tithe 10% and then above and beyond the tithe to our church. Um, we, you know, if we have charities or we have people that, you know, we can bless or do whatever, yeah. you know, scripture says, don't let the left hand see what the right hand's doing. Yeah. So I, I would sit there and say, you know, listener, if this is you, if you've got a ton of school loans, look, I, you know, you talk about your MBA, Aaron, I was a finance major. When I met my wife, I lived very irresponsibly and very, you know, self-ism mm-hmm. into, you know, what was best for Dante. Yeah. And so I, I knew better. I had an undergrad in finance. I had a graduate a degree in accounting and economics. Hmm. Um, but I came into the marriage with, with debt and uh, I had to be honest with my wife. It was not only embarrassing, it was humbling for the fact that, um, here I am a finance major and I'm telling my wife coming into the marriage, I have debt. Right. So long a house, long, you know, marriage, you know, getting ready to have kids, um, school loans, you know, not being able to at that point in our marriage to tie 10%. My wife and I said, do we really want to live for self or do we want to live for God? Mm. And we said, uh, time to clean house. And so we lived within the constraints of what we were earning and we made a commitment that we were going to get out of debt. Mm. Okay. And some of you, if, if you're being really serious, let's put the perspective, 10,000 manageable, 50,000 to 70,000 Difficult but manageable. Over a hundred thousand, you gotta stop the bleeding. Mm. So, where do we start? The first thing you start is you gotta make a commitment. No more the credit cards that are causing you to sin. You know, as it says in the Bible, it's better to pluck out your eye than to sin. You know, and and you know to end up in a in a burning hell. The same thing is true of debt. It's better to pluck out the credit card of your wallet, tear it up throw it out and, and, you know, live off an envelope system. Hey, here's the budget that we have for the mortgage. Here's the budget we have for groceries. Here's the budget we have for date night. Here's the budget we have for this. And you spend it and it's gone. Goodbye. And yeah, it's a whole lot of suck, 
Um, but when you do it and you live by it and you make that commitment, God will show you ways that economically you can never, yeah. ever understand. And, and don't, don't mince my words, listener, if you're hearing that. I, I'll never say prosperity gospel because that's a lie from the pit of hell. But I will tell you that when you draw near to God and you take three things seriously, number one, purity. And as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you take purity seriously. God will honor that. Number two, your stewardship. If you take your stewardship seriously, that's your time, your talent, and your treasure. You look in the Bible of how many times Jesus talks about many different topics. You tell me how many times compared to everything else he talks about money. Jesus takes money very seriously. And and you want to look at that and you want to challenge me on that. Go through the New Testament, go through the Gospels and count the different topics that he spends times on. Mm. And and that's a reality. And and we can sit there and we can go to Proverbs, we can go through Job, you can look at through, you know, wisdom books, Ecclesiastes and you can understand that uh, you know the only Italian book of the Bible, uh, the Book of Malachi, um, <laughs> three ten. You know it says uh, you know only one time are we allowed in Scripture to test God, and that's in our giving. You know, and that He may not open the storehouses. Now, prosperity gospel will give you the name it and claim it. Give you the uh, you'll get rich, riches beyond belief. You name it. Um, right. And I'll say to all of that to hell with that because that is a lie from hell. But the storehouses of blessing that. He's talking about for each and every one of us, depending on who and how he wants to trust each and every one of us that he gives us gifts. Some, it may be money. Some, it may be hospitality. Some, Mm. it may be mercy. But some of it could be good health. You know, you're wondering what you're getting from God. You're wondering, you know, what what is his promise? What is his storehouse of blessing? You know, do me a favor. The next, you know, week after this podcast, look at the 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 life since you put the word of God in your in your path. Since you you really draw near to God and start counting your blessings. And tell me if they don't outnumber the the trials and tribulations that you're going to, if you're truly taking the Word of God and Jesus Christ seriously. Amen, amen. That's good. What um so in a similar vein, what are just some of the the main things um, you also think like every dad should just know about being a disciple of Christ, um, about being a Christian father. Yeah. You know, it, it, there, there's two things, and I would say, well, there's not just two things. There's a lot of things. <laughs> no, number one, you know, it's all about Jesus. And, and we can sit there and we can buy into the discipleships of it's a program, it's a it's a conveyor belt, it's a you do this program, you do this memorization, you do this lifestyle, cookie cutter, and all that. And I'm not taking away anything from anybody out there that you know has these different ways to follow. There's a lot of biblical wisdom in there. And I would say some of these men that have this stuff, if there's not biblical wisdom in that stuff, run from it. Huh. But I will tell you, first and foremost, foremost, work on your relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's a a challenge for you. If your relationship with Jesus Christ is how you treat your wife, okay, so the exercise then is if I treated my wife like I treat Jesus in my life, Hmm. how good would my marriage be right now? Hmm. And if you look at me and you, you look at yourself and you laugh out loud or under your breath and say, I'd probably be in divorce court then I would say, then, you know, stop the presses, stop doing everything else, ter- start taking Jesus Christ seriously in your life, and take that relationship seriously. That's number one relationship. Mm. Build that. Nothing else. Build that. 
And when you start taking him seriously, you know, and then not to mention, not only did he ascend back into heaven and now sits at the right hand of the father as an advocate that we read about in Job. If only I had an advocate that would stand and, and, you know, advocate for me, you know, as a friend does for his, you know, his other friend, this is Jesus Christ and he's there for us. But not only does he say, I leave you now, but I leave you with a helper and that helper is the Holy Spirit. So each and every one of us, that's a disciple that we say that we are, you know, when I look at parenting, when I look at dad in the trenches, man, I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm way outclassed. You know, the devil's got me in in so many different things, technology, you know, what my kids are doing, where we're at. If we sit there and say, wait a minute, I've got a power in, in me that is greater than the world because this power has overcome the world. I need to submit to that that Holy Spirit in me. So when the Holy Spirit says, hey, 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 where are you going with that computer? Stop, stop. Mm. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When when I'm talking harshly to my kids or my wife and the Holy Spirit saying, whoa, 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 <laughs> you know, to stop and sit there and say, okay. And then, you know, so your relationship with Jesus Christ, not grieving the Holy Spirit. And then I would say taking, you know, as I talked about earlier, is taking purity seriously. Colossians 3, set your mind, set your heart on things above. You know, put to death the things that are earthly in you, you know, sexual immorality. And, And let's be honest, you know, we, we talk about, you know, the law of Moses, do not murder, do not steal, uh, do not commit adultery. But Jesus takes it to a whole new plane in Matthew. I tell you, if you look lustfully upon another woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Oh, boy, I'm in trouble. Yeah. And he also says, you know, it says do not murder. But I tell you that if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. So Jesus took the law of Moses and took it to a whole new realm. And so all of us that are trying to be pious or pompous and sit there and say, well, that's not me. Remember, the law of Moses says if you're guilty of one, then you're guilty of them all. Hmm. And then when we take it by Jesus's definition, what hope do we have? Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you took it all and not by works of righteousness, which I have done, but according to your mercy, you saved us. And so when I realize that, when I get that perspective and I take purity seriously, then I can move into stewardship in my life. And the stewardship is I clean my house. I'm purifying myself. I'm, I'm practicing righteousness, not perfection practicing righteousness, you know, and that's getting in a group of accountability with other men, you know, being real, not just checking the boxes, but really, hey, if I'm struggling, if I'm tired, if I'm angry, if I'm being selfish, if I'm finding pride or lust that I'm confessing that, you know, it says, confess your sins to one another, you know, pray for each other that you may be healed, James 5, 16. If we take these things seriously with other men and we sharpen each other, we can overcome the world because we've been given a model. Jesus Christ has overcome the world. And, and, you know, on the stewardship aspect, you know, it's, it's stewardship of time. We have to manage our time. If we're wasting our time, we're not honoring God. Do you realize when we're in the judgment, those of us that profess the name of Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart, and you can check me against scripture, that we're going to have to give an account of our time. Mm. We're going to have to give an account of our talent, and we're going to have to give an account of our treasure. And if mm. you don't believe me on that, check check me at the box of scripture and see if the words that you're hearing right now are not true. And lastly, you know, your purity your stewardship of time, talent, and treasure, and finally, your discipleship. If you're not, when is the last time that you led somebody to the Lord? When is the last time that you talked to somebody about Jesus Christ? When is the last time that you were able to share your faith? And if you sit there and tell me, oh, that's not my job, 
you know, oh, I'll bring them to church and invite them to my pastor or the youth pastor or this guy because he's so much more talented. Are, are we reading the same scripture? Right. <laughs> and so those are the things that I would tell you as a disciple of Jesus Christ, intimately know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Draw near to him so he'll draw near to you. Take purity, take stewardship, take discipleship seriously, and then look back for an instance and see where God's taken you on that journey. Yeah, man, that's good. And even just talking about, you know, making disciples, I want to like dovetail also into, you know, this, this idea and this question of being a spiritual leader in your household. Um, you know, you pointing to, look, it's not the pastor's job just to bring others to, to Jesus. It's similarly, it's not the youth pastor's job to bring your kids to Jesus. You know, talk, talk a little more as well just about spiritual leadership in your household, what that looks like for us dads, some, some pieces of wisdom you'd give us. Your 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 youth pastor has your kids for an hour a week, you know, and and if they're a relationship youth pastor, maybe he gets them for three or four hours a week. Maybe he shows up at a play or at a band concert or at a football game or a cheerleading, you know, whatever it may be. But it, it's very limited, and the time that we have our kids from you know birth to eighteen years old or to whenever they step out into adulthood, we have a numerable amount of hours to be the disciple. As dads, we're called to be the prophet of our family, the priest of our family, and the king of our family. And and the king of the family doesn't reign and rule over them harshly, but he shows them a higher authority, and that authority is Jesus Christ. So if if we're getting spiritual leadership right, and we're doing it, and believe me, I've already shared, I blow it all the time. But if we're doing it right, and our effort is to practice it, then our kids should see Jesus Christ ultimately more in our lives than they see Dante, than mm. they see Aaron. And so do I sit there and say, live a life that is is fake? Absolutely not. Live a life that is you know humble. Live a life that is pointing others to Jesus Christ. That's something that becomes attractive because when I when I take the wheel, when I drive, that necessarily doesn't always end up good. You know, it has its moments of, of glamour. It has its mo- moments of infamy, you know, infamy of, of laughter, of all that. But when I really, you know, put God first, really draw out of those situations in, in any situation, and I'm not just saying at church or at, at youth group or at men's group, I'm sitting there saying in relationship and, and they see the desire that speaks volumes to your kids because you're modeling that faith. You're, you're giving them ownership that, you know, it becomes a, a fragrant offering to them that they want that faith to be real. George Barner has got a great book out there. It's called Revolutionary Parenting. Mm. And a quick, a quick sum, uh, summation was 25 years of study, empirical evidence. They wanted to go and find out what made a revolutionary parent. And, and the way that they modeled that was the, the 20-something, 30-something child that was actively involved in the church, actively involved in the community, and actively sharing their faith, you know, in what they do. And what they found, and it surprised me because I thought, you know, well, it's going to be discipline. You know, they're going to throw it on <laughs> the hammer. They're going to do that. 
it, it, no, it was evenly split with these revolutionary parents. If the, the they didn't do corporal punishment, they didn't do spankings, then it was they they were consistent with the crime. So if you did the crime, there was a, a an agreed upon time. So there was consistency in the parenting. Mm. There wasn't you know any compromise. Uh, they were they were being true blue to if you're you're out of the rules, if, if you're bending the rules, if you break the rules, there's a consequence for that. And they were consistent, and they modeled faith, and they modeled you know the relationship as far as they had you know upward and when they had the relationship upward right the horizontal relationship with the wife and the family provided the the means by which they were revolutionary parents i'll tell you a a thing that you know it's a poem and i i don't know where you know i got these two from but i really love them and one of them was people will always forget what you said people will always forget what you did but people will never forget how you make them feel and the other one that I really love that I kind of like intertwine and, and it's kind of a, a you know a thing in the back of my head that I don't forget. It's called the Five Watches, and I think that one's by Frank Outlaw, if I'm not mistaken. But it, it goes like this: It goes, watch your your thoughts, they become words. Watch your words, they become actions. Watch your actions, they become your character, and watch your character, it becomes your destiny. Yeah. And and when I apply that to, you know, scripture, when I apply that to like our rule of like growing up, uh, trying to be a dad in the trench, trying to be a legacy dad, leaving those things out there, you know, the reality of it is, hey, that both of those really apply to my kids. Mm. Both of those really apply to my wife. And then let, let's bring that to the barometer of scripture. You know, first Peter uh, three, I think it's seven, you know, talks about our wives and to treat them as the weaker vessel and not, you know, not by uh, not not by a lessening because they're women or anything like that. It's not what the text says, but treat them as a vessel, you know, treat them as God's daughter. And, and at the end of that, if we miss the scripture that says, otherwise your prayers will not be heard. Yeah. You know, that that's a huge thing right there. So if I'm going to treat my wife, you know, badly, I've got to realize two things. Number one, that's God's daughter. Yeah. Whoa. Number two, my kids are, are watching. And so if I'm harsh with them, I remember, uh, you know, a funny story I, when, when I really got into, you know, after the mistakes I made with that four letter word around my car, running over a nail and a flat tire, <laughs> um, five year old, five year old boy, my wife and I got into an argument over the kitchen and I, I just kind of let anger go. I kind of let comments go, kind of let disrespect go. And I remember this like to, to the day and I can tell you the look, tell you the outfit my son had on. And he looked at me five years old with his toy and he stopped, he put the toy down and he goes, daddy, you can't talk to mom that way. Oh. And Man. the initial reaction in me was, I'm going to put this kid through three layers of drywall. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to beat him until, you know, seven ways of Sunday. I looked at him. I looked at my wife and I literally said, excuse me, I'll be right back. Walked into the, the my bedroom, shut the door, walked into my closet, shut the door, got down on my knees. I confessed, Lord, I know I'm blowing it. You know, help me with my anger. Help me come back. And I literally, you know, through a moment of prayer, asking God for words and wisdom and discernment, walked back out, called Trey, called my wife, and I asked them to come sit down. And I sat them both down. I got into my son's level. I was down on my knees, asked my wife to sit down next to me. And I literally said, son, you were so right. Your daddy sinned. 
against God. I sinned against God's daughter, and I had no right losing my anger. I had no right losing my, you know, my frustration and taking it out on you or mom, and that was wrong. And I'm asking both you and mom to forgive me. And he looked at me and he goes, "That's okay, Daddy. He's five years old. You know, he doesn't know yeah. better." But my wife looked at me. My wife looked at me. And looked at me with my son, looking at my son, responding to me, naming the sin, claiming the sin that I did. No, I'm not prosperity gospel and naming it and claiming it. But naming it, uh, you know, um, saying the wrongdoing, asking for forgiveness and getting that. But when I saw my wife's response to just me with my son, the look that I got from my wife, I, I think at that moment she probably thought I walked on water. (laughs) <laughs> and that, that had nothing to do with Dante, that had everything to do with his Holy Spirit and just God raining in on me and saying, you, you, you blew it. <laughs> you blew it. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm probably you know, annoyed that you talked to my daughter that way, but it's never too late. My yeah. mercies are new every day. Yeah. And man, when I, when I turn that ship around, wow, just wow. So, listener, if you're hearing this, you know, whatever stage you're at, you know, if you blew it even before you turned on this podcast, turn the car around, call her from work, you know, do whatever you're doing when you're listening to this and, and make the wrong the right. Take that moment and, and, and redirect the ship. Don't let the enemy have a stronghold in your life. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know, confess it to the Lord. Repent. Repentance isn't saying you're sorry and continuing to do it over and over again, being harsh, being short, cheating, you know, drinking, you know, lusting, you name it. Repentance is, you know, naming it, professing it, asking God for forgiveness and going the opposite way. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Dante, we're about out of time here, but would you just kind of continue with that overflow and actually just pray for us, pray for the dads out there? Yeah, I, I'd love to. Uh, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I, I just thank you for the time that I've had here with Aaron, Lord. I thank you for Dad and, and the trenches, Lord. And I thank you for uh, the ears and the lives that are going to hear this podcast, Lord. I you know, listeners uh, challenge, you know, we're here and they heard, you know, Aaron and I going back and forth, Lord. They don't just take our word uh, as it is, Lord, that they take our words and they test them against Scripture, Father. But I pray, Lord, that if there's a moment of truth, if if they hear the, the gospel, the word of God coming through uh, this podcast, Lord, that they will seek your word. Uh, they will set their hearts on, on things above, Lord, that they will set their minds on you and that they will put to death the earthly things, Lord, that they will put on love, not only with their wives, Lord, but their children, um, Lord, that they will let the word of Christ dwell on them richly, Lord, that you uh, will just uh, guide them in the way that you want, Lord, that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that if we draw nearer to you, you'll draw nearer to us. Let that be our prayer, Lord. I challenge each and every man that is hearing this, Lord, that they will make the commitment tonight, not putting it off until tomorrow, not till Saturday morning, uh, not giving into the lie from the pit of hell or, or the devil, Lord, that prowls around like a lion waiting to devour, that wants our marriage to end, wants our family to be torn apart, ripped to pieces by a, a beast that just hates us, a beast that wants to destroy us, and that they will say today, you are not taking this ground, you are not having that authority in my life and just proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ over their house, over their family, over the marriage, Lord, that may be strained. Lord, I pray for marriages right now that are dead, 
that have not been intimate, Lord, I just pray that this is the day that they say, I'm not going to worry about the other person in my life. I'm going to worry about my relationship with Jesus Christ, that they put it first. And that this is the day, Lord, that you give your servants, Lord, the ability to take back ground that the enemy once had and just to rip it back from under them, Lord, because you have overcome. And we know that your mercies are every day, Lord. I just ask that you strengthen these people. I ask you strengthen the dads in the trenches, Lord. Give them uh, uh, overflow of your spirit, Lord. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Dante, thank you so much for joining us. And it's so good to have you on. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for joining me here on Dad in the Trenches. This was an awesome episode, and my many thanks to Dante for joining us today. Um, If you guys haven't already, check out their podcast. It's just search for Legacy Dads. You'll find both Dante and Lance on that. On Instagram, you can connect with Dante at LegacyDads underscore Dante, or also Legacy Dads. uh, The handle is Legacy underscore Dads there as well. They're on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, uh, just search for Facebook uh, slash Legacy Dads. And you can also check out their website at LegacyDads.com or LegacyDads.org. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, or any podcast for that matter, if you would do me a favor, if you're listening on the Apple uh, Podcast app, if you would simply go to the main show page and rate and review the podcast. Uh, you can simply tap the stars. There's five little stars you tap. Just tap all five of them. The uh, Apple algorithms love the five-star reviews. And also, uh, if you drop a comment in the reviews section, um, anything that you've enjoyed about the podcast, anything that's been encouraging to you, or if there's other dads that have come across Dad in the Trenches or are wondering what it's about, tell them what it is you've enjoyed about Dad in the Trenches. For those of you that are longtime listeners, a huge thank you, and again, for all of you listeners, I'm glad that you stopped in today and were blessed by today's episode. That's it for today. Thanks so much. Take care. God bless. Thanks for listening. For more content and resources, check out the website at dadinthetrenches.com or on social media at dadinthetrenches.com. And be sure and click on subscribe to stay up to date with new podcasts. Walk out the heroic fatherhood you were called to live.